back from our sabbatical and our time away. It's good to be back with you all today. Uh, I'm looking forward to sharing with you a little bit more about uh, our time away next week, and I'll share some pictures with you and that sort of thing. But here's one just to whet your appetite a little bit, and uh, that's I'm the shadow on the right, <laughs> and uh, that's just me staring out at some Alaskan mountains there. But uh, I'll share with you kind of just a little bit about our uh, where we went and what we did, but also kind of what uh, what I gained from it and what I uh, gleaned from it and what God spoke to me about during that time away. And so I look forward to sharing that with you all next week. And again, I just want to say thank you uh, so much for the gift that you gave our family uh, to be able to take that time. And it was definitely a refreshing time for us. I was telling someone uh, that I can't remember the last time that I went on vacation and uh, didn't feel the pressure of the next Sunday, you know, that's always the next Sunday. And this was really refreshing to be able to leave and not have to worry about that for quite a few weeks, you know, until I got back. And so that was really unique and uh, hasn't happened in about at least seven years. And so I was thankful for that. Uh, Also, as you know, we bought a house right before we left. And so we've uh, the lady kind of stayed in it a little bit <clears throat> into our trip and so when we got back we uh, kind of finally felt ownership a little bit and so uh, we're going to get to work uh, taking some wallpaper off that's always a fun job right and uh, painting some walls and that sort of thing before we move in so uh, you'll hear more about that I'm sure because we'll need some help moving so <laughs> uh, hey well we're uh, finally wrapping up this series Breathe, uh, which we started quite a while back, and um, we all need to take a deep breath from time to time is the premise, the idea of, of taking time for rest. And we looked at the fact that God calls us to take times of rest, and that uh, we are called to live different than this world in many ways. And this rule of God's about taking time to rest is just one of many ways uh, that he makes us kind of stick out like a sore thumb compared to the rest of the world. But we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to do it God's way. And so we've been looking at this idea of taking regular time to have godly rest in our lives. And as we read early on in the series, it was one of God's first big commandments. It was number four, I believe, of, of ten commandments that he gave to his people um, that we, they're now famously known as the Ten Commandments. And one of those was to observe the Sabbath. Or in other words, to rest on the seventh day of each week. And this was a very sacred thing for God. So much so that he even exemplified it modeled it for us. And he tells the story, even when we read in Exodus in those Ten Commandments, God says, you know, he says, look at how I created the earth. He said, I spent time creating this, that, and the other, and then when it was all completed, I took time to rest. And he says, you also do the same thing. Work, but also take time to rest. And we talked about how unique this is, how different it is from the world's way of thinking. More is always better. Go, go, go. The more busy and packed your calendar is, the more important you must be, right? The more 
valuable you must be. The better you can feel about yourself because you must be really important. All your calendar for the next few months is just packed full. You have no time for anything. And if you find yourself in that position, then you find yourself in a position that many of us find ourselves in in this world today. It's just the nature of our society, the nature of our culture, and it's probably not anything new to us, but it feels oppressive at times. And we need rest from all the stuff and all the busyness and all the hurrying, the much, the many. I shared this quote with you in each of the previous sermons and wanted to share it again with you now. I think it's just so appropriate. It says, in contemporary society, our adversary majors in three things. Noise, hurry, and crowds. And if he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. It seems to describe our culture, doesn't it? Muchness and manyness and hecticness and noise of a variety of kinds. It may be the car blasting music down your street, but it may also just be the stuff in your life that you have going on. The phone's ringing, the computer's on, the TV's on, the people are uh, constantly wanting to talk to you and the cubicle next to one over. <laughs> that guy won't leave you alone. It's your work. But we need to learn to breathe deep more often, to find rest in God. And so we've been in this series, Breathe, and we've had three parts. This is the third part. And the first one, we breathed in. Go ahead. That's nice, isn't it? And then we held our breath for about a month, and now we're going to let it out. All right? And we're finally going to exhale today. So we looked first when we talked about breathing, inhaling. We talked about taking in Jesus, taking in His Word, His presence, and breathe hold we talked about holding our breath we talked about what do you do once you're there in that quiet place with Jesus he invites us come come with me find rest in me my burden and my yoke are easy and sometimes we get to that place and it just feels a little bit awkward what do we do when all the noise stops when we find that rare, quiet place and our mind wants to keep spinning about this and that and the other, what, what do you do when you're there? And so we talked about, not only do we need to take in God's Word and spend time with Jesus, we also need to specifically pray and we need to spend time meditating. That's something we don't maybe talk about that often anymore, but just the idea of dwelling on God's Word and letting it kind of marinate in our spirits and in our minds. And so now we're going to talk about the exhale. What do you do when that time is over? What do you do uh, when it, the rest is over and it's time to uh, hit the ground running again? What should you expect? What should the outcome be of this rest? And I believe that God rarely ever makes rules arbitrarily or for no reason. He always has a purpose behind the rules that he makes, it seems to me. If you look hard enough, you find them. And I think this rule about rest is no different. There's a purpose behind it. And I think also when we look at it, we'll find that his rules tend to have our best interest in mind. Not just his glory, but also our best interest. 
And so there's kind of a purpose behind this rule, and there's also a promise that goes with this rule. And so I want to look at those uh, today. Gene read just a moment ago kind of an interesting passage of Scripture that probably isn't going to be read in very many churches this morning. It's a little bit odd. God tells the Israelites, hey, you farm all these years. On the seventh year, let the land rest. Can you imagine, as a farmer, being told not to farm for a whole year? Now, we're not talking about a government subsidy program where they're going to pay you not to grow a certain crop. They do that. If you didn't know that, that's it. <laughs> they do. They pay you not to grow that cotton or not to grow whatever they are wanting to, to regulate the price on. But, no, we're talking about thousands of years ago, pre-government programs of that sort, and just being told, hey, this, this way you make your living each year, go ahead and this year don't do that. Just let it rest. Wow. What could be the purpose? Uh, I believe God has a purpose behind this rule of resting, whether it's our rest, the Sabbath day, or this other rule, the Sabbath year. And I think that he knows better than we what is needed. If we believe, and if you choose to believe, as Christians do, that God created all of this and that he created you, then we have to trust that he knows how it works. We trust this with our cars, don't we? The person who creates your car makes a manual. And he, they give that manual out to the people that own their cars. And it kind of tells you what maintenance is needed and when to keep your car running. In a similar sense, God's created us and he's given us some rules and some guidelines of what maintenance needs to be done and when. One of those big guidelines, one of the main things, seems to be this resting from your labor. Taking time to stop and gain a little bit of perspective. To be still and know, remember, recall that he is God. We are not. So there's a purpose to this rest. Real rest, godly rest, provides us with an opportunity to refresh our relationship with God and with each other and to gain a more realistic perspective on things. Sometimes I really feel like when we get too busy and we stay busy and we're going and going and going and doing and doing all the things that we find so important, we tend to make mountains from molehills, as the saying goes. And how does this happen? I mean, it just kind of makes sense. In my own life, if I'm going, 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 and I'm doing these, all these good things, things that in my mind are good things, ministry things even, and I'm just going, 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 and I don't stop to rest, those things take on an undue importance in my mind. Maybe you can relate to some degree. But that's, it's, you know, when it consumes you, then that becomes everything. And it becomes so important that you get this done, that you get that done. And the way you can tell about this is when the interruptions come, because they always come, right? You get the flat tire. And oh my goodness, it's the end of the world as you know it. 
because how are you going to get this done and that done if the if you can't get anywhere in your car or uh, you know the telemarketer calls at the most inopportune time and doesn't seem to ever have to breathe so you can't <laughs> get off the phone and uh, oh just the inconvenience drives you up the wall or surely you've done I've certainly been in this boat I get sick and I say Lord of all the times to get sick I can't get sick right now I've got too much to do I've got all these things but you know sometimes I think God says no you need to be sick for a little bit <laughs> if you won't take the rest yourself I'll give you some rest how about that but see rest fixes that problem because when we stop and we take a break from all our doings and we recognize and see that the world keeps right on spinning without us it kind of put things puts things in perspective doesn't it the world doesn't need you to keep going after all you just thought it did and taking those regular times of rest kind of help you keep perspective can you see how this plays out in your own life that pattern when you're so busy then you tend to blow things out of proportion I was thinking about this also I feel like this lack of rest is perhaps one of the causes of so much of the family problems in our society you know we often uh, we feel bad for the kids of broken homes uh, kids who you know we say they had nothing to do with it and yet their life's a mess now because of their folks or or we talk about you know the, per the couple that we feel so bad for they had a great marriage what happened and in many cases part at least of the problem has to be this not resting thing not taking godly rest I mean just consider how would it transform your family if you took regular scheduled regular time for praying together how would that change the dynamic in your family or scheduling regular time to sit down and look at God's word and just have a conversation open up an avenue to talk about God and to talk about your lives and what's going on in your kids lives and in your spouse's life or what would this isn't crazy I'm glad our we don't have too many youth in the room today because they'd probably throw things at me but what if we all took a rest from technology every once in a while and I'm, that one gets me as bad as anybody because I like the techie stuff. I like to have my phone and my tablet going while watching TV. You know? <laughs> but it's probably not a good idea to live that way seven days a week. So what if you took breaks from that? How would that impact our families and our family life when all of a sudden everyone can't just hole up in their computer or their device and they have to do something like read or talk to somebody you know <laughs> what would what would this do to our families if we took more rest in our lives so rest has a purpose it serves to restore our relationship with God and with each other and just to give us a right perspective on things but it still seems a little bit counterintuitive, I think. 
if you don't tend the field, then you won't yield the crop. If you don't open your shop, then you can't sell any goods. Or if you don't punch the clock, how are you going to get paid? But this is where the promise part comes into play. God has a reason for giving us this rule, and then he makes promises about these kinds of rules that he'll take care of us. This promise is based on a principle that we see kind of throughout Scripture. He says, if you'll just try it my way, if you'll try life my way, it may seem crazy, but I promise you it'll work out better for you. And so like we said, I mean, sometimes if we try to live God's way, we end up kind of sticking out like a sore thumb in the world. But I think we also find a richness in life that the world it escapes their grasp. There's a richness in living God's way. He prescribes not only what he wants, but actually what we need and what we would want if we just understood how good it would be for us. One of the places this principle plays itself out most obviously and that God just spells it out for us is Uh, with regard to giving. It's a similar kind of situation. He asks us to give him, give to him financially, and then promises that he'll take care of us even so. And there's this passage in Malachi. Uh, Malachi was a prophet of God a long time ago to the nation of Israel. And the prophets, if you've read any of those books, a lot of times God speaks through them in the first person sort of thing. That's what's happening here in Malachi 3. Um, So I just want to read to you a few verses. God says, Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? That would get your attention if he said that to you, probably, huh? If God said, you're robbing me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land says the Lord Almighty. We see this principle all over the Bible, like I say, but in these areas of rest and giving, perhaps it's the most obvious. He says, give me the first 10%. That's what the tithe was. First 10%. But he also talks about offerings above 10%. Bring to me your profits, your produce, in our case, our paychecks. And see if I don't take care of you. See if I don't open heaven's floodgates. Isn't that what he said? And pour out blessing on you. Now, consider the culture that he was talking to again. Just as we did with the farming a little bit. We think sometimes that we have financial insecurity or instability in our world today and people fret about you know what can you even invest your retirement in these days that 
um, that you can trust anymore. I mean, who knows what the stock market's going to do and all that sort of thing. But you want to talk about instability. Go back to a time when charities didn't exist and 401ks weren't set up and uh, governments didn't offer social security or unemployment or disability. And if a year of drought hit, you were up a creek. It might be the end of you and your family. And these are the people that God's saying, hey, give me your first 10%. Can you imagine how much harder that must have felt for them? You would think it would feel easier for us in a world that does offer a lot more stability. Or at least in our corner of the world. (laughs) And yet, it doesn't seem to work that way. It seems like we still struggle with this. I know I struggle with this. People I talk to struggle with this. I'm sure you guys do too. Struggling with sometimes really trusting that God's going to take care of us if we just do things His way. The promise works kind of the same way with this other rule about rest. And take this Sabbath year, for instance. You know, it really makes sense, as most of God's rules do when we dig a little bit deeper. On the surface, it looks like it doesn't make any sense. Here, you know, are these people in the, in the culture and the land I just described. They're depending on their crops each year for survival. God's asking them to give him 10%, and now he's asking them to take a year off from farming that land. And on the surface, that seems uh, not only counterintuitive, but just crazy. But when we dig a little bit deeper, we see that his promise that he's going to take care of them holds water even by our standards. Uh, Think about, I have this picture of a crop duster up, and that's a frequent sight. If you drive outside of Monroe in pretty much any direction, you'll see some farmland, and you'll see these people with a job that you don't envy that have to fly down right over the field and then jet up just before they hit the electrical wires. I never, that scares me to death. Seems like sometimes they go under them. I don't know, it looks like it. Must be a good pilot to do all that. But back in those days when God prescribed this year of Sabbath rest, they didn't have crop dusters. They didn't have um, the access to the fertilizers and things that we have today. Nowadays, if uh, we can grow crops year after year after year more effectively because we can get the plants, the nutrients that they need in kind of artificial ways if we need to. But back then, farmers had to rely on things like crop rotation to not deplete the soil. Or in this case, God's saying, just let it have a rest for a year. Let some of those nutrients get back in the soil. Don't just work the land to death until it's not producing anything for you anymore. And so in a, real, in a very real, making sense sort of way, God was setting up a way that literally their fields would be more productive for them if they would just take this year off and just trust Him. And is it not the same in our bodies and in our souls and in our lives? Not many of us are farmers in this room. 
But can't we observe the difference between when we just go, 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 go and never stop and take rest? The effect that that has on our effectiveness, on our productivity, on our relationships, the toll that that takes, in much the same way as the nutrients would get sapped out of the soil if you just grew and grew and grew crops and never let it rest or never replenish those nutrients. So it is in our lives. If we just go and go and go. So, in a deep irony that only God could dream up, when we stop working, we gain productivity. When we take times away from work, we become more effective. It's just like God to figure all that sort of thing out that we wouldn't get on our own. But if you're like me at all, there will be times where you don't feel like you have time to rest. Or you make excuse after excuse after excuse of why you can't rest quite yet or you'll take a break later. I think, though, when we feel like we're too busy to rest is the moment that we need the rest the most. And if we keep saying that we're too busy to rest, we have too much to do to rest, we're essentially saying to God that his principles don't work. Because what God has done is he said, do this. Take this rest because it's going to restore your relationship with me. It's going to put, give you a, a right perspective. And I'm going to promise you that it's going to help make you more productive in the long run. And when we say, no, we're too busy to do that, we're essentially saying, God, I don't think you're right on that. I don't think that it will be better for me to stop and take a rest. I don't think that I will be more productive or more effective or better for my family or better at work if I take this rest. So I want to challenge us today with some very specific things as we come to the end of this message series. How to exhale, how to hit the ground running, how to really how to carry out this whole rest thing that we've been talking about throughout this series. We've talked about taking time of solitude. We've talked about taking time in God's word, about praying, about meditation. And now we're going to get really specific. And you should have a, if you got a uh, bulletin today, there should have been a card in there. It's got some blanks. And it's got some space at the bottom where you can write some extra notes to yourself. So let's take a minute and, and just fill this in. And I want you to, as, we, as I talk through these three things, if anything strikes you, any ideas of how you could implement this in your life or in your family, jot those down anywhere on that page or on the back of it. Uh, and just you'll have that piece of paper when you leave this place because I know you'll forget half of what I said in half an hour. So, so that's why you've got something to write on. Okay. First challenge. Schedule regular rest for your family. Or for you, if it's just you. If it's just you and your spouse, schedule time to rest, just you and your spouse. 
It may be a set day of the week, you know, Friday nights or Saturday mornings or whatever you want to make it. It may be uh, that your work doesn't allow a day to be steady. I know there's also, <laughs> you talk to a few people about their work schedules and you'll find out nowadays there is no five-day work week in the way that we used to know it. People work, their work hours fall on all sorts of days of the week sometimes. So you may just have to get out your calendar and for the next month or for the next three months or whatever the case may be, pencil in, it would be better to pin in or sharpie in, some time for rest on a regular basis. So whatever you have to do to make that happen, spend some time looking at God's Word, spend some time praying together, spend some time just down, downtime. Stop from the busyness. The next thing, schedule regular rest from technology. This is something that uh, Julie and I have been talking about doing and we need to just go ahead and implement it. Uh, again, maybe it's set day or days a week. Uh, I heard one pastor talk about that he, uh, he had six kids, he has six kids, and uh, he said they chose, I want to say four days a week, no technology days. He said they about had mutiny in the camp. <laughs> but, uh, but he said it was amazing after a little while to look around the home and see people with books open and reading and just the quietness of the home and uh, you know or they're playing board games or they're doing something relational or uh, so maybe you're not going to do four days but maybe you'd start out with one day or two days or three days but a day where when you get home from work the TV doesn't come on what in the world would you do, right? You just set the phone down, you set the tablets down, leave the computer off, and figure out something else to do with your time. Take a break from it, because it's one of the unique things about the time and space that we're living in. There's just constant noise. So we need to take breaks from it from time to time. And here's the last one, and maybe the craziest of all. Plan a personal retreat. Doesn't have to be this week. Doesn't have to be this month. But get it on the calendar this week. How about that? It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be a week long. It doesn't have to be even a whole day long. It doesn't have to be extravagant. But plan a time for some solitude in your life. Work with your family on this one. Um, when you can break away. And maybe there's a quiet place you already know that you like, or maybe you're going to have to hunt for a park or somewhere quiet that you can escape to. Or maybe you can send the whole family out to the movies and you stay at home, if that's your favorite quiet place. But find a place for personal retreat. And spend that time in solitude with God. Spend some time in His Word. Spend some time praying or trying out that whole meditation thing of just thinking on God and thinking on His Word. It doesn't have to be fancy. If you need a resource or something like that, come see me. I even have um, 
a book that my grandmother loaned me of personal, you know, how to do a spiritual retreat. And very simple, walks you through some steps and ideas and things like that. But like I say, it really doesn't have to be fancy. It just needs to be done. Because if you don't schedule it, it won't happen, right? All right. We're about done, but I just wanted to mention one more thing before we stop. That passage that Gene read about the Sabbath year, I felt like it also revealed something about God's heart that we need to make sure we understand. And so this is kind of off subject, and it's just going to take a second, but I wanted it to soak in. I thought it was worth mentioning. I'm just going to read a a little bit of that passage again with some more emphasis, I guess, on certain parts. It says, For six years you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops. But during the seventh year let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it. And the wild animals may eat what is left. For six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, so that the slave born in your household and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed. You catch that? God's looking out for not only the poor, the slaves, the foreigners. He's even looking out for the animals. Our God has this heart that breaks for the least. The person that seems least important in this world's eyes, he cares about. And even the animals he cares about. What a God we serve. So this week we exhale. We breathed in deep when we came to that quiet place with Jesus. And we sat there with him a while and then now we're going to exhale. We're going to get back to work with the promise of a richer and a more abundant life to come because we did take that time with God to rest. So breathe deep this week. Your body needs fresh air in the form of oxygen. But your spirit and your soul needs fresh air in the form of Jesus. His forgiveness his peace, his joy, his love in your life. We have to step back and experience that. There's a song that I've been sharing with you in this series, and I'll share it with you one more time. I'm going to grab my guitar here as I pray and uh, and then share this song with you one last time, uh, at least for a while. Uh, It's just called If I Could Just Sit With You A While. The words aren't going to be up on the screen. It's just going to be this slide. And... Maybe wherever you are in your pew there, or if you want to come to an altar, that's fine too. You could just take a quiet moment to just sit with your Creator and rest, even this morning. Father, we pray that you would help us with this rule. It's not a very popular rule in our culture. Our culture doesn't smile on people who Rest, you're supposed to be busy. But God, you say you have a different way. You have something else in mind for a better way of life. 
So we ask, God, that you would help us to live it. Help us to be devoted to living life your way, including this thing about rest. Help us to find the time to do it. And God, when we escape to take this kind of rest that you talked about, we pray that you'd meet us there. We need you, O God, more than we know. And we pray this in your name. Amen.